You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. I want to introduce you to my friend Jordan. You may know him. He's uh, one of our cell leaders. He serves on our leadership team. He also is our Sunday meeting coordinator, and he is a generally brilliant and good person. I love hearing what he has to say, so I'm happy to uh, have him here to share with us today. Thank you, Johnny. I was like thinking about how I was going to introduce myself, so I appreciate that. Um, I will say just on, at the outset that I like to say yes to being asked to talk more than I actually like to talk in front of people. So, you know, and this is also the first time I've ever worn a lapel mic and it feels very awkward. So <laughs> that's just some of the uh, things I'm dealing with right now, just to let you in um, on that. Um, but yeah, happy to be here, happy to share with you um, today. Um, we have, during Lent, we've been using the Psalms as uh, our beginning place of reflection, which I think is just really good. I think the Psalm, like Lent is a time, I think, really to like experience the poetry of faith and spirituality. So letting them kind of be our guides, I think, has been, has been um, really nice. Um, we actually uh, already sang the Psalm. So this is Psalm 63, which we sang... Um, Dan Snook, long time, uh, was a covenant member here uh, um, for a long time, composed this song. Um, we would love to get like all 150 psalms to music, so I don't know how many we have right now. We have maybe like 10%, so if anybody like wants to try writing some music, setting some psalms to music, uh, that would be awesome. It'd be great to be able to sing all of them. Um, but. Even though we sang it, uh, I would love to, if somebody would be willing to read it. So um, I have a microphone that I can give you. If somebody would be up for that. If not, I'll just call on you. I probably won't, actually. I feel really bad doing that. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Oh God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you on my bed and meditate on you (laughs) in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be prey for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Thank you, Laura. So this is one of um, a few psalms where they give us some information about the psalm, about the situation where it was written. And often when, when you see that, I think it's, it's, it's important, and I think especially this one, you know, where we have, we have David in the wilderness writing about this God 
that he is seeking, and he, he uses this language that's so evocative of the desert, my soul thirsting for you, uh, my flesh uh, fainting for you, this dry and weary land uh, where there is no water, um, you know, this outward physical landscape mirrors his search and thirst for God. We're in a pretty temperate environment. And when I've traveled like to the West, like um, to Colorado and Utah, and then come back to Pennsylvania, like it really feels like a jungle. Like we don't really experience, we have definitely have eras like when we're in droughts. And in fact, right now we're in a period of like some concern about how much it's rained or not rained. Um, but we do have our own droughts. Um, <laughs> Sorry, um, and we, you know, we, we did, and, and at some momentous weekend, we said goodbye to one of these people, not Joel Embiid, thank, thank goodness. No, <laughs> this isn't some terrible nightmare that you're suddenly waking up to. Um, now Claude Giroux was just traded to the Panthers, and it's, like, I remember like, him being this like, promised like, savior of the Flyers franchise back in like, I don't know, 2006, 2007, so it's like this uh, kind of sad, like, we really wanted this window to be the time where we could end our drought. And just curious, does anybody know when the Flyers won the Stanley Cup last? 1975. Okay. Correct. And how about the last time the Sixers won? 2022. <laughs> if you consider trading Ben Simmons and James for Jarvis Harden to win, then yeah, I guess so. That was 1983, so hopefully, hopefully Joel Embiid doesn't uh, have the same fate um, as, 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 as Claude Giroux. Um, but I think, um, and here's an actual, like this is the actual like, kind of desert that, um, that David was, was, was writing in. Um, this is a, 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 a wadi, so this is a, like a, a, a place where that gets water during the year, and you can see that like, there's still like, plants still, like, clinging, uh, clinging to growth. Um, so, you know, there, there's that experience of the desert, of this place that kind of awakens our thirsts, that um, enlivens us. Um, I think the desert, especially, like, a, it, 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 it gives you a sense of vulnerability and of, like, even an awareness of your own mortality. Um, coming into a place where you, you leave behind um, predictability, you leave behind safety in order to experience um, something that feels vivid, uh, and alive, and so this has been, as Wes alluded to, this has been this. It's a theme um, throughout the scriptures, and it's also a theme throughout um, the spiritual life of the church of this need to always return to these places, um, these places that that Belden Lane calls call. Oh, there we go. Calls fierce landscapes, um, uh, environments that undo our um, undo our our, our sense of. Um, even what is uh, what's normal, or even of who we are, and give us um, like an experience of our of our, of our mortality. Um, that's a picture of of Saint Cuthbert, who would go into the water um, up to his neck um, to get himself into a place where uh, he could pray out of a sense of urgency, feeling like the danger of the waves. Um, and that's and that's really the time that we're in during Lent. We begin um, this forty days by marking our foreheads. Um, with, with, with ashes to remind ourselves that we uh, were born from dust and dust we return. It's a time when we oftentimes forego certain things. We give up chocolate. Um, we're quoting Hamilton. Uh, I, not something I can do. I've never seen Hamilton, so it's not even something I could give up. 
I don't know, maybe I should give up my resistance to seeing Hamilton, I don't know. <laughs> and looking ahead to the, the crucifixion, when Jesus enters the dust, re returns to the earth so that he can be created anew from God. So it really marks the contours um, of, the, of the life that we're living now. I think it's really, um, I don't wanna say interesting, it's only gonna think of it, but interesting that we call um, Jesus' suffering and death the passion. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, act of, um, it's an act of love that, 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 un, that really gets at um, our deepest desires and thirsts. Because so I think that's um, what, we're, what we find in the desert. It's a, place of, it's a place of thirst. It's a place to confront our thirsts, to confront our desires. Our, the Christian faith, when it's doing its job well, doesn't teach us to avoid our desires, to avoid our thirsts, but to, uh, under, to, to awaken them, to let them come to life, and even let them be something um, that can teach us who we are. But this is, I think, I think we um, really understanding some of the, the um, like what thirst is, that's not where I want to go. Eh. I'm gonna go back to King Cuthbert for now. Thirst um, is 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 uncomfortable, um, and so I think like when I read when I read David talk about my his soul, soul thirsting for God, that sounds like like it's to me it, it strikes a resonant chord of like this sense of desire of like naming what he wants and looking for it. Um, but it also is a, it's a, it, it sits in that place of reminding us of where we aren't yet. So it kind of, it hits both, it, it holds together both that, that tension, I think that we live in, where we, um, um, we know we have a sense of what we want and we can name it and we can feel it even in our, in our, in our, in our core, in our gut, but we are also experiencing uh, how um, it's not present, how it's still unfulfilled. Um, it reminds us of what we're looking for, uh, but it also reminds us that we haven't, um, we haven't found it yet, that we're still looking, um, which is a vulnerable place to be in, um, to, to feel that, um, to have a desire that's unfulfilled, to have a thirst that's not answered, um, to have a sense of, how things, aren't, um, how things aren't right, how we're still living in a world where, where, where um, we don't um, have all that um, we, we need to f uh, either feed our souls or even our bodies. Um, and to not turn away from that, to actually, I think, face that is a, is a, is a, is a vulnerable posture. It's entering into that you know, desert, you know, looking, even just like walking down the street and like seeing, seeing trash, being like, okay, that's, I, I wish things weren't as they are, but that's how, thing, that, that's how things are. Um, but to feel, and to feel that is really to, um, it's to, it's to um, admit that there is something that we're looking for, that there is um, a wholeness that we're missing. So this question of what do we want? What do we thirst for? What do we long for? 
Um, I don't know about you, um, but that question, like, that, I don't feel good when I, think, when I read that question. I don't know how you feel reading it on the board, but um, it's not, for me, not an easy question to answer. Um, you know, and even, even, not even in an existential sense, but just like, when I go to a restaurant, like, what do I want? If you give me a menu, like, what do I want? Um, rather, you just tell me, please, what I want. Um, and so if we can't answer that question, uh, it can feel disorienting, can feel confusing. Um, for me, that question has revolved a lot around the job that I have, um, and my, like my desire to find work that, or career that's meaningful to me. Um, and uh, for me, that's been a place where I've encountered a lot of my own, um, my own vulnerability. Um, answering that question or letting that be a question that, um, like extending the space for that question, not letting it be answered right away, has been for me, um, yeah, kind of a way of experiencing and getting in touch with my, with my, with my um, deeper thirsts and my deeper longings. Um, um, in 2018, um, I want to tell you a little story about kind of my own sort of experience with like entering that desert place. Um, so in 2018, I uh, was working a job that I did not like, um, and it felt to me like it was the fruit of not being able to answer that question, uh, what do I want? Um, and uh, it, was, it was hard to, to, um, to look at other people and feel like other people have something that I don't have. Um, and I think maybe that's something to do with like how we value, place value on jobs um, in our culture. Really asking them to carry for us um, the answer to our deepest longings even, or some of our deepest thirsts. Place, you know, we ask children all the time, like, what do you be when you grow up? What do you, you know, and I don't, I, you might have your own opinions about like, whether that's a good question or not. Like, are we just teaching them to sort of like identify themselves with a career, with a path? Um, but at the same time, I think that those questions, or, you know, and I think you can think that any, any sort of thing besides, you know, it could be a job, could be a relationship, what you want in a relationship, what you want in any, any part of your life is, can, can be a place to um, explore and deepen that question and really think, like, what, what do I want? What do I long for? What do I thirst for? Um, so, you know, at the time, though, it was um, hard to sort of like look at look back away from my experience and see it as like okay, this could just be one part of myself. Um, this could just be one part of my life. So I I quit my job, which at the time felt you know felt very risky and kind of foolish. And I know like now that's something that's been happening a lot. And I know you know people are are leaving leaving situations, leaving jobs in order to discover something else. Um, so it was, you know, my idea was that I would leave my job, I would then force myself into a situation where I'd have to like really face that question head on and really like um, get a sense of urgency. Um, it didn't quite happen that way. Um, and I know that's something I've like shared. A lot of you know, know, know sort of like kind of some of my story through that. Um, it, it didn't automatically bring enlightenment the way that I thought it would. Um, it, uh, it just sort of went from Jordan having a job and not knowing what he wanted to Jordan not having a job and not knowing what he wanted. <laughs> um, and um, in this past year, last year, I took a full-time job um, at Philly Youth Network. I started out seasonally um, as an evaluation specialist. 
and then took a job as a data specialist, helping them do data analysis. Um, and that whole process was very, I think, very interesting to learn a little bit about, like, okay, what was that journey about? What's the, what was that, like, sort of, like, quote-unquote, desert experience about? Like, what did I, what did I come away from it with? Because um, it was hard to take the job. It was hard to, like, take a job that felt like it was just a repeat of the job I had left several years ago. Um, and in some ways, it, like, didn't feel like it really got at the question of, like, what do I really feel like I have to offer? Um, and, and yet, I was a different person coming into the job. Um, um, I think, and there's a few, th I think there's three, three things that I learned. Um, I learned uh, first that I had made something of an idol out of having a job, thinking that it was really the answer to my problem or like my unmet, my sort of deepest sort of like unmet needs. Um, um, and so expecting that uh, that was the solution to the problem that I had, rather than um, um, recognizing that, that even if I had a job that I loved, there would still be a sense of who I was that belonged somewhere else. Um, and I meet other people sometimes who are dissatisfied with the job, that is even, even a, a good job. Um, and, um, you know, I think there's something, um, that's, in, um, important to hold on to with dissatisfaction, that, like, maybe we don't need to be satisfied by, um, things, you know, things that we, in, in, in this world, um, and that even, like, uh, if someone, if you're not satisfied with even a good job or a good relationship or good marriage or good Whatever, it just is a testimony to the um, width and depth of your soul. Like, you, we're, not, we're, not, we're not big enough to fit into these, into these specific containers or these boxes. Um, and I think second, so yeah, second, I think I, I, I learned that um, our life is always in that kind of like in-between state, um, between um, thirst and fulfillment. Um, you know, thirst has that sense of desire, but it also has... Um, a sense of weariness to it as well. We actually experience the dryness and the weariness of the world. Um, we don't, answers don't come immediately. And so I think, um, you know, learning how to nurture dissatisfaction, I think, is an important part of the spiritual life. And not turning away from it too quickly. Allowing it to, like, teach us, like, and, and, and learning to listen to it, um, to what it means. Um, and then finally, um, I learned that a learning or learning to love lovable things is a path, pathway through the desert. Um, I feel like you might think that I'm saying that everything in life should be unfulfilling or that you ought to be dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there are, there are ways that we can uh, learn to love the goodness that's, uh, that, that we see. Um, for me, that's been about recognizing um, the values that I care about, the things that I'm committed to, um, which are not always fulfilled in any particular, like, um, might not be fulfilled in any particular job, but are things that I can still look for and still uh, seek and still try to understand. Um, those things can be signposts. So I want to end with um, some words from Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, 
um, and then give you guys a chance to, to talk back. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.